ready to wake up, you're going to wake up. And if you're not ready, you're going to stay pretending that you're just a little, poor little me. Soldiers, don't fight for slavery, fight for liberty. In the 17th chapter of St. Luke, it is written, the kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power. The world is like a ride at an amusement park, and when you choose to go on it, you think it's real, because that's how powerful our minds are. Everybody is I. You all know you are you. And wheresoever beings exist throughout all galaxies, it doesn't make any difference. You are all of them. And when they come into being, that's you coming into being. Yo, 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 people, how's it going? Hope you're all doing well wherever you are in the world. And I just wanted to mention that I want to say thank you so much to all the amazing feedback from last week's episode of Observing My Thoughts. It really was overwhelming the amount of people that reached out and just you guys letting me know that you like, that you love that episode. So thank you so much because that really means a lot. It just gives me a bit of validation that, that you guys love them episodes and you really do. So thank you so much for reaching out and I really do read all your messages and try to get back to you all. I really do value that. So anyway, this week on the podcast is a conversation I did in London about a month ago with a really cool guy called Eddie Edsey. He is he is a shamanic uh, practitioner from London and he's the founder of a really cool organization called Street Spirituality. And through his understanding and deep knowledge of shamanic practices, he's basically trying to understand how they can be integrated into the Monday world and how we can bridge the gap. And in this conversation, which I really loved about this one, is that I would say that me and Eddie are of similar age. I would say that we are two young um, men who are sort of um, who have sort of had a very similar upbringing. I would say that we are, we're asking the very very similar topics. We're trying to sort of find our way through the Monday world and the human experience. But in particular, some of the topics that we talk about in this one, we really sort of ask the question in in the Monday world, how do we sort of bridge the gap between deeper topics and spirituality to sort of people who don't want to engage in these topics? We talk about the balance between seriousness in life and, and, and having a more playful aspect of life. The balance between living a mindful life while also um, understanding the importance of play in the Monday world. We all know that the Monday world that we live in, the world that we're immersed in, has so many different facets to it. And it really is hard, I would say, um, in this world to really find our way through that. And how do we manage? And, and do we need to manage? Should we just accept and just play all aspects? When do we need to be serious? When do we not need to be serious? And this is sort of a, a, a sort of a, a thing that me and Eddie are both working through. So it was a really cool conversation. And I would definitely say that we try to do our best to, to really answer this question and talk about this one. Um, it really, um, like I said, we I would say that me and Eddie are two young men and, I will, and we're still trying to find that balance. So I hope you like this conversation anyway. And I just wanted to mention that if you can, please check out the Patreon page. It really is the best way to support the podcast. The price of $2 which is a cup of coffee a month for four podcasts, four or five podcasts a month. Ask yourself, is it worth that? I think it is. I really do. 
so all I'm asking is you, I know all you guys out there can't can't support the podcast, that's absolutely fine, but if you are somebody who is in a position to support the podcast, the price of $2 each month, I promise you, goes such a long way, and that's all I'm asking you, so thank you so much, I love you all, and enjoy this conversation with Eddie, peace out people. start now if you want i was trying to think shamanism might be a cool place to start because i know i know obviously your paths led you to shamanism yeah what was it was the things going on in your life that led you to shamanism yeah totally so um i was born in in like a working middle class family um and they weren't spiritual or religious or or anything i guess they were pretty open-minded um and my first passion was music I was well into heavy metal and I was in uh, like different bands and stuff and would sort of hide, hide in my room and um, play guitar for eight hours a day. But I was very angry. I, th- I think that's what drew me to heavy metal probably. I know it's a bit of a cliche. Um, I was a very angry kid. Uh, my parents went through a divorce and I was six and I don't think I ever fully accepted it. Um, and I was very anxious. And it's, the anxiety came out when the anger stopped. So around 16, I started getting, went into rave music and um, into partying and drugs and things like that and, and that whole scene. And um, the anger sort of subsided, but it, it 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 gave way to a lot of pain really and a lot of, um, a lot of fear, I think. I think the anger was a good shield for that. Um, so I sort of mellowed, but at the same time, I started having panic attacks and I started being terrified of life and going out and use drugs as a uh, another shield, I guess. That's what replaced the anger and doing a lot of ecstasy and, and party drugs, which was good because it opened my heart to uh, different communities and, you know, would go and have these amazing experiences. I'm sure anyone who goes raving knows, you know, smoking area at four in the yeah. morning. <laughs> it's interesting what you said before um, when you were talking about so obviously the, the ability to recognize that the sort of the because it seems to me like that what's a you said you were trying to like filter your your sort of um what's the word I'm looking for filter your aggression into other in a sort of the, the period the sort of the anger that you had in your mind you're trying to you recognize now that you maybe have been filtered on that in other areas of your life mm. that's very similar for um i think addiction i think i heard you talking about before just off the podcast where you were speaking about how addiction is like one of them i think if you start following back the tracks of everything that you do in your life it go you'll find how far and how deep it goes so like for example say um i mean i'll give an example for one of mine one, one of my addictions that i realized and it's not really a big addiction but it's just the deeper you get down the path the more you realize every addiction in your life and it was one for me it was peanut butter mm-hmm. <laughs> so i was eating i felt like i was eating too much peanut butter and i was like sort of trying to view why why what's causing me to eat too much peanut butter and i was going back the signals going back the signals and it seemed to be that it was the same pattern every single time when i finished work I would come back in and it would, as my chill down period was an unconditional um, sort of um, reaction was to pick up the peanut butter and just start eating it. And it was my chill out period for say, even it was only for like say 10 minutes or something, but it was just a, I, th- I noticed that tiny little trigger of, of how far it goes back. 
is have you noticed that for lo- many, in many aspects of your life things like that mm, yeah I mean I wish I had as uh, positive addictions as peanut butter yeah. that would have been great <laughs> uh, but I uh, yeah definitely I, I had a lot of triggers um, a lot of them and they say uh, you know I haven't thought about it incredibly deeply but they say that you know all addiction is just it's this need for connection mm-hmm. right and I think the anger the anger was a fear of connection because I wasn't very nice to people and that was my thing mm-hmm. you know at school or out or, or something it would be this thing and it would make me feel good if I, if I wasn't um, it's a bit of a bully really and it was that fear of connection but I think um, a lot of ego involved so it was like right I'm gonna I'm just gonna nip this in the bud so there's no chance of connecting here mm-hmm. and that, that anger was that was my mm-hmm. sort of um, my my way into that um and then yeah moving into sort of that chemical connection through through drugs and experiencing that and but also feeling very vulnerable if i wasn't in that situation um and it was strange because i i got kicked out of school and for a series of strange events ended up getting signed by this acting agency so i became an actor it wasn't a dream i had i was so shy I was so shy. So it was like this character that was like, oh, you know, Eddie wants to be an actor and all the ex- expectation that goes with that. But so shy, so scared of connection. Um, and all of the time, the panic attacks and the anxiety was ramping up and ramping up to the point where I stopped partying and I wasn't getting any acting work. It was a complete, it was so disorientated. Um, and I went into therapy oh. and it didn't really work. It was nice to talk about my issues and we sort of got to the point where we had tracked a lot of it back um, and it sort of stemmed from this moment of, of you know, this this divorce and the family sort of splitting up and unconsciously blaming myself for that. And we spoke, you know, every week, again, over the same things, over the same things, over the same things. And I noticed in my own psyche that we deal with one problem, but it would show up in another in my life. And it was like, there's something under this. And I remember looking at my therapist and saying, I can feel it in my body now. Like, I, I, When I get anxious, I feel it here. I, can you take it out? He said, oh, it doesn't work like that. And something in me, I don't know where it came from, just thought, that can't be, that can't be it. I don't just want to talk about this forever. So I decided to, try yoga and I liked it and it made me feel a bit better and then I tried Reiki and got attuned to that and it was nice like it gave me a bit of respite but then the next day all my anxiety would come back or it didn't last very long um and then I went and did ayahuasca and it made me a lot worse a lot worse a lot worse uh, is that because you think it, do you think do you think it because cause obviously what that medicine does mm. it it's, um highlights your fears yeah highlight your anxiety yeah I, I i think looking back was a good thing but a lot of that was luck because after that happened i met a teacher who i was able to put myself back together but and i see a lot of people in my one-to-one work who have had that experience on ayahuasca and then they come back and they for whatever reason that teacher doesn't cross their path so that they just stay consistently lost and consistently up here and, mm-hmm. and not back on earth so it can go two ways um but 
whether you call it luck or fate or whatever after i did ayahuasca i had a bit of a period where i was drifting and the anxiety got worse and worse and worse um and actually just a bit before ayahuasca i got obsessed with shamanism just the idea of it i was seeing a girl and she ordered a book on shamanism of amazon and two came and she gave me one and i read it and i was like wow this is cool this is like spirituality but it's raw and it's mm. it's kind of like heavy metal spirituality <laughs> i was like okay cool this is awesome there's like drumming and the earth and i always like being outdoors and just the ideas of it and the animals and the stuff and it was it was a book by michael harna it's really um popular it's called where the shaman and it's like so michael harna was an anthropologist and he went around the world and sort of collated all of this all of these shamanic ideas and then put it packaged it for the west um something called core shamanism I read it and I went to this core shamanism group and it wasn't great and it was like, all right. And I went to see loads of different shamans and nothing happened. It was just completely underwhelming, but I just loved the idea. So I'd go through like Amazon and read all these books. It was like my my thing. And, and I was like, well, I love it. But, you know, this book, I'm not Native American. I didn't grow up in the cloud forest somewhere. I'm not Mongolian. I... It, it's cool but it doesn't apply to me and then i read a book by a guy who became my teacher a guy called jez hughes and like the book starts he's just like a geezer from crawley who wanted to be a footballer and i was like oh that sounds you know i wanted to be a footballer that sounds like i can relate and he his journey started with a lot of fits and and things and my panic attacks i still just saw a lot of um relatability yeah yeah for the first time mm. i was like fuck i need to go and see this guy so I read the book and then I booked a, a session with him. And then in that four hours, everything turned upside down. Well, the right way. And he did something which no one else had done up to that point, which is empower me to heal myself. And it felt like, felt like my personal power, like my battery in that session just got raised to a hundred. So I walked out that door and for the first time was actually up for the healing journey. Mm -hmm. And then I, I trained with him for four years still training with him um and i feel that's the luckiest moment there meeting him because everything made sense it seems to me because i was going to say something what you were talking about before because it seems to me what you just said there it's like empowerment empowerment of yourself understand that you're the you, you are your own doctor so to say because um, when you said before, you um, when you were going to a psycho, um, what's the word you use, psychotherapist? Mm -hmm. When you go to a psychotherapist, you said it didn't work for you. I think sometimes people do need that in their life. But what um, on my own journey, what I've found is that you have to become your own psychotherapist. You have to become your own shaman. Because I think what I understand now is that sometimes, I mean, people are in positions where they do have to put their faith in other people. But I think it only gets you so far. I think you have to, um, I think what I've realized is that a lot of other people when they tell when they t tell you stuff and you're um, telling them certain pieces of information and things, they you have to realize that they've got a lot of their own filters and their own preconceived biases in their own traumas, because I think I have never come across many people. I mean, maybe one or two people I've come across in the whole journey of all doing all these podcasts where I can say that maybe they've got all their shit sorted out. It's very, very rare. I feel that everyone is still going through something, so I think it's important to become your, like, become your own shaman. And 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 that, like you said, for you, that must have been that must have been so empowering mm. to feel that. Did you, is that was was that the main spark for your journey? Do you feel the empowerment of yourself, 
understand totally. the potentials within yourself to do what you want to do yeah massively and there's a lot there in, in what you just said in, in terms of I think healing is all about personal power and, and that's not necessarily the power we've been brought up to, to associate with that word. You know, it's not domination over others or, or anything. It's, it's, it can be, it's almost like the word power doesn't really do it justice, but it's, it's the belief. It's, it's the, the anchor that you have to go on and make decisions also to take risks. Yeah lots of healing is about taking risks and jumping off that cliff and not knowing on the other side. Like if you, if you wait to know where the landing is more often than not, that's not really what you need to heal. Mm. So, and obviously shamanism, shamanism itself is, is just a, it, it's a sort of an anthropological term. It's, it's the word shaman, I think was only used for one culture's, shaman which was the Tungus tribe in Siberia and anthropologists when they were making contact with lots of different tribal cultures they noticed that all of them had this healer um, and the word shaman sort of came from it but there's lots of different words you know medicine man in America and marikame in Mexico and ayahuasca so if you work with the plants and there's also lots of different type of shaman so there's like the herbalist variety someone who works with plants and then there's shamans who um will work with dancing and singing. Like the Sam Bushmen, they're one of the oldest or the oldest culture in the world that's still going. Maybe that's wrong. Don't quote me on that. Yeah. They don't even have a shaman. They all do a trance dance and whoever's full of power that night will do the healing. And that healing will come through, through from spirit. So the personal power. And then what the shaman will do is fill themselves with the power of spirit and through a trance. So the one thing that unites shamanism in, in all cultures is trance. Do you want to get that someone out there? No, it's okay. Salesman. Yeah. <laughs> um, Could be a shaman. Yeah. <laughs> you, know, you, you, you never know. You know, yeah. sometimes in your life when you have them. There's some indigenous guy. Just yeah. yeah. Might be a salesman trying to sell us a, um, a five ninety nine course for enlightenment. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm gonna actually keep all this in because this is this is what happens on a podcast. It's more realer, isn't it? I'm gonna keep it in. <laughs> this is what happens on a on an episode of the podcast. It's gonna be good. <laughs> a, pa- a package to a package to enlightenment. Okay. Personal power. Personal power. I was gonna say before as well. Um, just to jump back in, you're talking about shamanism. Yeah. I think as well because sometimes don't get us wrong there is this there is some very special individuals and very special individuals like shamans out there who can who who definitely do have extraordinary abilities but at the same time I, what I, the the mythology i've read about mostly read about shamanism is that it's not just about because i think when people think about shamanism they always associate with you going away on this journey where you take something and that's all it is you know yeah. it, it heals you this one quick like a quick fix basically yeah, yeah. like the modern day world as you know but I think what I've understood about shamanism, it's more about a journey. It's a process of, like, that's the, that might be the trigger to your, the trigger to the thing that you have to work on. But it's more of an unfolding of something that you have that you need to keep keep at every single day in your life. Totally, completely. And it's the same as as wanting to be good at anything. It's a technique. There's a technique based healing modality. You know, 
if you're not going into trance, you're not doing shamanism, essentially. So all all of the cultures in, in the world, however they choose to do their healings with plants or, or drumming or singing or dancing or, or, or whatever their thing is, they're going into trance. So that's the first hallmark. So if you want to learn shamanism, you have to practice going into trance. And that, that can be the same as doing kick-ups if you want to be a footballer mm. or, or going for a run. It's very practical. You know, lots of it is is out there, and, and people are like, "What's well, this? You know, crazy spiritual esoteric thing?" But you know, it's just about putting in the work, putting in the hours. Um, offerings as well, very practical. You know, going out into nature and giving something, whether that's a candle or bearing a coin or singing or, or whatever, and, and that's how you start to form relationship with the earth. And the local spirits is also a very local thing, which is why it's not a very popular opinion. But when people do shamanism in the UK and they pray to the hummingbird or the jaguar, it's a nice thing to do, but they're never going to hear your prayer. They're they're miles away. Mm -hmm. And what about the badger? And what about the squirrel? And, you know, what about the owl? Surely they're hearing this and thinking, why have you forgotten us? Um, so in terms of, of doing shamanism or becoming a shaman, it's, it is, it can be a very practical thing. And if if you're waiting for this incredible gift, maybe you'll be waiting forever. And also one of the things that is like a hallmark of becoming a shaman is that you have some sort of initiatory sickness. So you'll be ill. Now, because of modern medicine, you know, it, back in the day, that could have been just getting the flu as a baby mm. and coming through that because the flu would have killed a lot of people. Now, if you have so much medicine, the things that would have killed you 500 years ago, nothing. You, know, you just take a few pills and you're all right. So even that view of an initiatory sickness has to be different, I think. I think that's why it comes out generally as mental health issues. Um, in the West, because we don't really have an answer for that, so lots of people have anxiety and depression. I think. I was going to say, well, how, what's your thoughts on on that sort of, um, like sort of anxiety and depression and things? Because I'm at a point in my life now where I'm understanding that, because I think we, I think we think that pain's always bad. Like, so we have this thing in, I know in the in the West where we live and stuff, that when you see if you have like a psychological pain in your mind like in form that comes in the form of depression whatever you want to call it people think that it's a bad thing and people think that they have to they have to rush to this to get this quick fix and things but i've actually realized in my life that it's more of a it's a more of an opening for you to to go within yourself and try and unravel them patterns that's causing that behavior Mm. um I don't know what you, what do you think what do you feel about that because that's, that's a sticky topic because people I know people disagree with that that the people think that yes depression is it's not a it's not something that's um it's it's it's, it's not a good thing at all mm. but my understanding is that from myself is that it, it is a good thing you have to go into the pain pain isn't always blissful pain sometimes is pain comes blissfulness comes sometimes in the form of pain you have to go into the pain to find more blissfulness yeah it's a big question and we could do a whole podcast on that it's a funny one like you said if you tell someone who's depressed it's a good thing 
they'll probably tell you to fuck off. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But if you ask someone who has come through depression, was it a good thing? I think they'd always say yes. Mm-hmm. I feel my mental health issues were an opening and a deepening. I didn't say that at the time. I hated it. Yeah. You know, really. It's funny because we don't have a reference point at the time. No. When, you're in some, when you're in something, uh, it's hard to see that how this is going to benefit me in the future. And then later on down the line, you always look back and go, I get that now. I mm. see I see why that thing happened. I think you can do that in, it doesn't even have to be depression, you know, it can be, like I was explaining before for the podcast of just trying to be in the flow of life, trying to tap into that constantly as much as you can, have the mindset of that. Don't overthink every situation. Like maybe if you start thinking that more situations are just happening because there's a reason behind this happening, try and get to the root cause of the happening. Because mm. at times we think we, can't, we can never, we, we always just bypass the, the, the reasoning of something to just think, oh, it always happens to me. This is just shit. This is always happens. And then that pattern just goes boom, 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 boom for every every aspect of your life. Mm. Take a step back and just, yeah. It's, it sounds so easy, but just chill, just chill. I think inherently that is the truth. Um, but it's it's just hard to, to, to tether to that when you're in it. Mm. Mythologies really helped me to conceptualize my suffering um and i done a i do quite a lot of work with men so i've done a lot of research on rites of passage and initiations and um again looking at indigenous and, and uh tribal cultures mm-hmm. because they still have initiations it's still there's a lot of importance placed on it and other than the rituals which can be quite terrifying um the myths and the songs and the stories are drummed into their bones when they're going through these things and that is what gives you reference to your pain and your suffering and as saying off camera i'm 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 doing a course with a a mythologist and a, a storyteller called martin shaw and even reading his books before I started studying with him, it allowed me to just stretch out the canvas of my life and see that I am so much vaster than I thought I was or I was taught to believe. Um, and I have many characters inside of me and they don't all need to get on. Mm. And often they don't. And that conflict that you have inside yourself is a very normal thing. And sometimes you just need to let it play out. And and by looking at your your um, your life just like a story, you you get a much vaster perspective. And I find I found that much easier. And you're saying that thing where it keeps coming back, keeps coming back. Reminded me there's a there's a story uh, within lots of fairy tales and stories, which I I my view is that they're they're really ancient technology on how to deal with mm-hmm. um, life. Really, they're not just these throwaway things but a theme is the same message at every crossroads and that for me when I was getting triggered and triggered and triggered and triggered it was like this is the same message this is the same message but it's like once it's you read it in a, in a story and you really connect to that it's like this is not only is it normal but it's essential yeah definitely when you were saying before about the um the the rites of pa- passage and stuff 
because you've said so much stuff there, honestly, you're going, I can take this, take this so many different directions. When you were talking about the, the rites of passage, I thought that was interesting because it's something that I thought about. What is the importance of, of the rites of passage? Because the rites, the rites of passage itself, it's clear to say that we don't have that in society now. But at the same time, I'm trying to look beyond that and think, is it, is it, does that rites of passage give a bigger, is it a bigger thing in society it gives? And what I'm trying to get to is that, is I feel that, in when when we're younger, as when we were a lot younger, and you were sitting around, I mean, you said this in a post actually. This is what it is. You said it in a post where I read it, and you were talking about when you sit at the dinner table, and um, you said that when you t- if you want if you want like the conversations that we're having now, if you're around a dinner table and you start talking about these deeper aspects of things that you're working on, fears or um, things that you know you're not doing right in your life, whatever it is, the the, the the group the group dynamics of a of a family situation not not every single situation but majority of the time will um like you said they'll think you're a devil worshiper if you're thinking about a certain topic they'll think you're um you're going crazy go to the doctors go for a pill but I think what when you were referring before to, to the sense of shamanism I think the sense of shamanism like the cultures in the past they had this shaman they had this community aspect where you'd get together with people around the table and and that the the lines between what's normal and what's not normal wouldn't be there so yeah. everything would be allowed to be spoken about on the table there's no there's no right and wrong topic to talk about there's no ins- there's no line between insanity and and quote unquote normality it's it's just everything blends it blends into one mm. and i think that's the framework in society i think a lot of people are i've felt it in my in my life as well that how do you find your way through that as a young person coming into the the monday world when you haven't got that framework, when you're thinking about bigger topics for uh, family members around you to say, yeah, keep going, keep going. Like say, for example, one one common theme is when a kid has a dream and they come down to the dinner table and the family turns around and goes, she goes, I had a dream last night. Just forget about it, honey. It's just a dream. Just go back to sleep. Whereas you need, we need to like cre- create a, an environment where it's not just a dream, you know. Like let's have a let's have let's create a discussion around it. What is this dream? Where's this dream coming come from? Yeah. And you can go, you can do that for many different topics. That's where I feel it's coming from. It's how, as a young person, how do we find our way through that? Because I mean, I bet you 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 struggle to find your way through that that acceptance in a community aspect to share these topics with other people around you. Mm. So I, I certainly did, and I'm still trying to find my way through that. Yeah, yeah. It's funny, I. I recently have been pretty uh, disenfranchised with a lot of the men's work and I include the men's work I am doing. Mm-hmm. Um, if you take like the, the tribal rites of passages where, you know, really a lot of the, the, the Western men's work is taking inspiration from, you know, an, an example of, of them would be... Um, I was in Senegal with the tribe called it and the E-World tribe. I was visiting them for a little bit and their 12 to 13 year old boys run through the village from sunrise to sunset in a straight line for a month. And then they spend five months on their own in the bush and they can't come back. And I pressed the elder on like, really? They can't come back. He was like, they can come back on the full moon for some water after dark. On the full moon so it's like so that's fucking crazy yeah. you know in terms of our culture that's mad I mean, so have you seen i mean i don't know if you ever watched these series you've seen the watch the series of vikings yeah vikings always do that have you seen that yeah, yeah, where yeah. they go and they have a rite of passage where they go mm-hmm. on this quest 
they where they've got to go and survive in the woods mm. and just sort of well make sure they don't die basically then they, when they come back that's their acceptance yeah. into the community exactly there's another one in brazil i think it's the satori Mawe tribe i don't know if that's the right um pronunciation but their young men have to put their hands inside like woven mittens filled with bullet ants oh. <laughs> which is you know I, th- I think it's the most painful sting in the world um another tribe doses up their young men with this uh, like hallucinogenic plant for 20 days straight and just surviving it is considered passing the initiation but also it's to completely remove all memory of childhood and these sound incredibly archaic and, and violent but I think these tribes understand the, the almost limitless power of the human psyche and then they understand what's needed to temper it into something useful which is unfortunately pressure intense pressure if you if you take them and i'm not saying let's recreate them in our culture but if you take our men's rite of passages i think we need to though you know i really do well i mean yeah we need to get closer to that but our versions they're essentially like optional masculine retreats Mm -hmm. you sign up you get a kit list you know you get the train you get picked up you know can't get there before 5 p.m because they're still setting up and you kind of look into each other's eyes and drum around a fire and and, and, and sorry i was going to say just to jump in i was going to say in a way i was just thinking in my head there we do have them rites of passage but they're not the energy is not in the right place i mean you have the like a rites of passage to me i know a lot of people say the army is a rites of passage but it's not for me that's not the the energy is not being put in the correct place it's that energy for me is going into sort of a this very dominant this male dominant um mm. side of things but the i think the energy is um what what these cultures in the past talked about of the rites of passage is more of a, sur- a deep surrendering aspect mm-hmm. so you go off and you do this quest and you have to surrender a part of yourself sur- surrender a part of your ego and and it connects you to something bigger than 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 yourself mm. yeah well, that's the, these rites, they're just the tip of the iceberg. Mm. Underneath the water, you know, submerged from view are, um, like I said before, the stories, the culture, the myths, all the legends, the creation story, again, which is local. I mean, you know, if you talk to most indigenous tribe, where did the world begin? Oh, on that rock, yeah. around there. And it's like, that, that's important because it places them at the center of the universe, which is very empowering. Uh, we don't have any of that. And... Our rites of passages are so sterile and filled with diluted ritual and just, they're not enough. And I completely include the work I'm doing in that. And that's why I feel I want to step away and just take stock, really. And the main thing, I think, and you touched on it, is these men are being initiated, talking from the tribal cultures, they're being initiated into something. That's the important thing. So on return to their community, their entire life changes and their entire world around them has shifted and the people in the community treat them completely differently. Now, even if we had rites of passages for men that were up to scratch, the community that they return to is non-existent. And that's the problem, I think, with the army. I think the army probably is, not necessarily the army, but combat. Mm, understand what you, mean. you know fear and and conquering that and understanding it and being part of a team like and the brotherhood and, you know i can't imagine it i've, I've never mm-hmm. been to war um but it seems like the the fear and the being against the odds and coming through it and the surrender to things as they are that would be 
that would temper your psyche into something. But, and you can see with all of the veterans on the street, when they return to society, A, they're not accepted. B, all of the skills that they've learned, are con- they're, they're not needed in our society. They're not praised. So I think the issue, if we're going to look at the masculinity crisis, we have to start with the society. We have to, everyone has to be on the same page in, in these tribal cultures. And, and again, like just to, to say, I don't think that this is like a utopia. I'm just yeah. sp- specifically talking about masculine rites of passage, which, you know, they work in these cultures. Yeah. Um, we need to get the men, the women, the elders, the babies, the children, all pushing in the same direction before we initiate our men because we need to, you know, men were initiated to come back and serve the culture. That was it. And sure you've heard that proverb, like an uninitiated man will come back and burn yeah. down the village to feel its warmth. Like, and that gets bound, banded around a lot, but you know, it's become like a meme, but there's truth in that. And that's why they put these men through so much. So they came back and became a valuable member of society and they were committed to, because in, remember in these societies, they're much smaller mm-hmm. and they're generally, you know, at least, you know, back in the day, they were hand to mouth societies. So if people aren't pulling their weight, the whole culture would disappear. It was life and death. So it's, it's important that they were all on the same page. Now, I don't know what that looks like for our culture. I was at Extinction Rebellion. And or a the, culture that's, that's the, the, the size that we are now. Yeah. And I, I think it could be saving the planet in terms of climate change. That could be, could be that know. ultimate force that brings everyone together to I, I think see so. something larger than themselves. Because that's we need a binding mythology that's underneath, are you Tory or Labour or Leave or Remain or all these things? What all football of, teams do you have? You know, all, all, of, all of this stuff. Because we don't have that binding mythology, these things are the next level up or down or whatever it is and they become our truths and that causes division because you're never going to get everyone on the same page for that but and i'm sure in tribal societies everyone had different views everyone liked different things but underneath that that was still where the world started and these are still our creation stories and there's you know we're all underneath all your opinions and things this is truth and we're missing that in our society i think i think we you're definitely right we are missing that I think we have it in different forms, like you said. Mentioned football teams. I think that's what that's what that uh, that. I mean, speaking from my old my old self, when I was, I felt like I was being pulled to the football culture for mm. a different reason in the past. I mean, like I said to you before, when in this journey where I stopped playing football because I felt that 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 type of that dominant style of culture was too much for my for myself. But on the journey now, I've I've, I've sort of I've come to a different understanding on what I feel that energy is, mm. and I feel it's an energy that that. Um, like we know that not not all cases. I'm not speaking for just men on this occasion because there's a lot more women that go to football now. But it's very a male dominant driven um, environment, and it feel and it's like a lot of pe- males who go to football. It's that sort of that teenage age between like say twenty to uh, forty. That that sort of the dominant the the standard dominant masculine uh, masculine male. And uh, I feel that that's what a lot of us are trying to put. Our, we're trying to. We feel that this is where our we, we're looking to these type of things, these type of vessels like football and things like that, to put our energy into them. Because we, I think we all we all crave an, an essence of that. We need to. We need to go through these. We need to be part of these communities. We need to access this this like sort of primitive energy. Primitive energy. I think. I mean, you'll probably feel this in your life. I do. I feel this 
there's a there's a there's a primitive energy that needs to be that need, does need to be directed into into good things and that might be come out in the form of you doing a cold shower now it might come out in the form of you um doing meditation it might come out in the form of you doing yoga or even going on a, a quest where you go traveling around the world but it feels like it there is there is um runoffs of this in many different areas i, I do see it comes out it could be even extinction rebellion as well in a sense because that could be a way to put their energy into so i do think there's there's there is options now but i just i, I think it feels like them that them options are still too temporary and like i said i think you has to be the understanding behind it has to be has to be um the energy of it has to be put into something much larger than just these individual pursuits it has to be put into something on a bigger level i don't know what that is but for me it was the land mm-hmm. i was if you'd asked me five years ago you know where are you from are you, are you proud to be an englishman i would probably said no i didn't have that you know i just assumed england was built on bloodshed and all this stuff and you know truthfully probably it is yeah. you know as, as we know it and the, the colonizing and stuff um but beyond that there's the land and depending on how far you back you want to go you know we were a culture that was intensely connected to this land mm-hmm. and i think all the, the examples you mentioned like i'm mad into football i suppose season, season ticket holder that's my tribe mm-hmm. but i think lots of people are desperate for belonging and and whatever they want to put on that it's like they want these things so it's like i'm a spurs fan or uh and and i see it it's so tribal identity no matter what they've been doing monday to friday saturday football doesn't matter and you saw it in the world cup of course but i feel it also within the things that i do i mean i'm the podcaster Mm -hmm. do you know what i mean i feel that identity them flushes of them identity trying to come through yeah and that's i don't think it's a bad thing Honestly, like, I, I think that it's, um, I mean, I'm sure it could be a bad thing, but generally, like, you're doing you're doing an amazing service coming around and doing this. You know, I get a lot of joy from going to Spurs. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a good point, by the way, is trying to, like, see beyond, uh, trying to see beyond that and trying to realise, because I do sometimes in my own life, I overthink that, you know, and it's trying, you made a good point about the joy of things, because it is trying to, it's the balance of the joy and the and the purpose, I think, as well. Yeah. Just question it in your mind now as I'm going through. Yeah, I mean, it's quite an alien thing to belong coming from here, to really belong to something. Um, especially in, in, if you're kind of more spiritually minded. That's not our culture. Mm-hmm. So even saying that, it's sort of... It's a, it's the opposite of belonging. Because you're not part really, of the I was, culture. Sorry, Jim, I just realised when you said something there as well. Because it's like, I was just recognising my own patterns of what I was thinking when you were. Because I'm, I'm with you on that. And it's like putting too much, trying to chase too much purpose all the time um, in everything instead of just having the having that bit of play in things. Um, who was it again? I think it was because Alan Watts has got this quote where he says, he says, "Man and woman take seriously what the gods made for fun," and. Mm. Um, I feel that in a lot of our aspects because when you go down this path of of seeking um, knowledge in all these different areas, trying to figure out how do we create a tribe of people, how do we create, um, develop our psyches and stuff, we we sometimes are missing the, the 
the, the play aspect of in our own selves mm. because and I actually thinking of it now sometimes the play aspect maybe is the is the gems it is the the play itself is the is the real crusp of things in life mm. have you heard the quote this is too important to take seriously I haven't heard that no I, someone said that on the weekend I, I was laughing this is true I mean what is life you know what is the purpose of it if it's not joy and we're very serious mm-hmm. here in the West. Everything's like mm-hmm. serious, like the weather's serious. <laughs> Everything's like, whew, come on. And my experience of ceremony is very joyful and playful. And my experience of indigenous ceremony is very playful. But when it's time to work, it's that switch. When you're working with spirit, it's that switch. And then again, as soon as that's done, it's playful, playfulness mm-hmm. again. And we've done ceremonies and we've been around the fire and someone's cracked a joke or someone's you know sort of taking the piss about what we're doing mm-hmm. and people have been like you can't what are you doing this mm-hmm. is how you, what you can't <laughs> i've never been in the ceremony where people yeah. were like being sarcastic and stuff and and it's it's just this thing it's like people take things seriously and they take spirituality even more seriously when i first got into it i was such a dick I was so preachy. I wanted everyone to. I was like, "You don't know the truth," da, 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 da. and I went vegan at the same time, so I was a nightmare. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and I was like, "This is the truth," and you da, 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 da. and like, bless my friends. They stood by me and gave me a bit of an intervention, and were like, "Look, man, chill out. You do what you want, but <laughs> relax." And it's you know, this path, in my opinion, should make you more easygoing, more accepting, more relaxed you know again like like you know my thing is shamanism so looking at the the masters in my craft which is a lot of indigenous people they're they're they won't do two things they won't well more than that but the, the, the uh, some of the main things that i took away that i was surprised about is they're not interested in your power if you try and make them a guru they'll shut you straight down they don't want it no interest in taking your power you know and if you're like teach me and or please like show me or you're amazing they don't they can be quite standoffish Mm -hmm. because they understand that transference and that you need all yours and also the ability to just surrender and almost be like just so fluid Mm -hmm. bad things happen okay good things happen okay it's not this kind of uh rigidity that we have here and some of these people are facing like the extinction of their cultures like lots of the sacred sites are being bought by mining companies mm-hmm. lots of their sacred medicines are just being destroyed like their cultures are disappearing biggest smiles in the world mm-hmm. that just seem to have a different perspective on things and their ability to surrender and also the sovereignty that people in their cultures have to feel how they want to feel there's no you want to if you want to mess around great if you want to do this great you know i sit with a culture quite a lot called the Wiradica from mexico and their belief is how you are in front of the fire is how you are in life so if you want to talk all the way through ceremony if you want to make jokes if you want to listen to music on on your phone if you whatever you want to do that's not my problem that's between you and the fire and ultimately between you and spirit and and that's cool and i think we would do well to chill out a bit in terms of spirituality I sometimes try to do that. I mean, we've just come from London. I was told it before, we're in this, like, sort of in the centre of London. And 
that's a good place to practice that, you know. Like, it really is. Because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was an example. I was walking through the supermarket and um, went to get some food. And this um, this lady walked in front of us and I sort of cut off the path by an accident. I didn't even realise it. And I heard her just make this biggest uh, tut ever. <laughs> and I was like sort of... That's so English. But, I, but, I, that it is, <laughs> but I, I laughed so much at the time. But that's like, it's a... There is... The city is a good place. I mean, there, there really is a city because you can sort of... You can just sit, sit and people watch and you can... And you can play with that game in your own head at times. I mean, there was one that I was doing today was because um, the part of the journey I'm on is I'm trying to recognise that that every single person that I see in my daily in my daily life is just actually just a part of me. It's just a part of my whether you want to call it part of my psyche or um, or just a mirror, mirror image of something that that's within me. And I'm trying to play this game of looking at different characters, and you can watch your thoughts, sort of like judging people, thinking. I bet he, I bet he's got a lot of money. I bet he, I bet he lives in that penthouse right up there at the top. <laughs> but it's like, it's realizing that the game of that, like, the game of that is to, like, it's a, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun thing to, to not, to not put too much emphasis on it. Not like sort of allow the, the, the negative, the negative talk of the things that you go through in your mind to, to overrun you. It's about mm. recognizing that them patterns are just a. It's like the universe is just playing a game with you sometimes to to sort of to evolve within yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's that thing. You know, I, it, we do that as humans. We look, we're like, oh, I bet they're like, I bet we create stories about people we've never even met. Mm-hmm. And they're like, bet, like you said, bet he has that penthouse, and I bet he's got mm-hmm. a nice car and this, or I bet she has this and that. And I think that's just human nature. I think what we could do less of is attaching meaning to that. So like, oh, I bet that guy's got a nice car and a, and a, a penthouse. That must mean he is mm-hmm. a dick or something. That is cool what point. we can cut out. But like looking around and creating stories and stuff. And that's a good a good exercise, you know, to, to look and let your mind go and then see where you attach the judgment, you know. And it might be that you look at someone and you're like, oh, I bet they're this, this and this. And then it's like, fuck, but that that makes me angry. Mm-hmm that's the work like if you know that's what you can work on if you want but again it's it seems to be i don't know about you but in my own mind i have things that i'm like oh you know what i'd be probably my life would be easy if i didn't do these things mm-hmm. but but usually the anxiety comes from that from doing them and thinking, God, my life would be so much easier if I didn't do these things. Fucking hell, Eddie. Like, why, you know, you've been, you've been doing this for this many years and you're still doing this as opposed to just doing it and then having another thought. Mm-hmm. No, I'm with you on that. I think, because when I go through them processes and we head of, of like that process, what you just said, it's like, I sometimes go beyond it, you know, and think if I wasn't worrying about this, what else would I be worrying about? Because I think, <sighs> I think we sometimes we need that sense of anxiety around something to remember what isn't anxiety and what is the what's the what is the juice in life. Yeah. Because I think if we don't have any. Because I think sometimes, especially in, in the field of spirituality, it's always about trying to clear our minds of all the trash, clear our minds of all the negative thoughts. Good luck. Exactly. <laughs> and it's um, I think it's more about what I've recognised for me anyway. Just speaking from myself, is that it's trying to hold that space of the negativity in the mind to recognize the great the greatness mm. and i think the more you do that the more the, the more the the greatness comes rises to the top but then it's like it's a juggling act again because then you need you need to have that 
you need to have the understanding of of sort of the dark to understand the light in your mm-hmm. own in your own self. You you were saying before as well about um when we we're talking about the aspect of um how we how you were saying before about the oh, I can't remember what you were saying now anyway, but I wanted to touch on anyway about the creating a sort of a hierarchy of experience. I don't know how I got to that, but it was a thought I had in my mind about creating a hierarchy of experience experience in terms of so like example before when we when we were in London and I was thinking to myself, like this is not a place or a space where I can be myself. This is not a place where I can feel happy. This is not, and I could feel the, the judgment aspect in my mind. And I think I find my own self, and I think in in the culture we create a hierarchy of experience where only when I'm in this space, or only when I'm my mind and my thoughts can be can be a lot more aligned to my true self. And I think it's just, that could just be, and I'm recognizing with my own self, this could just be a point of reference to to give myself an excuse to be a dick in, in, a, in, a, in a part of an area so only when I'm back in this place that, that's when I'll start um, using my mindfulness I'll start using me mm. uh, my skills that I, me, all my skills that I've learned and I don't know I just it's, it is it's everything it is a complete balancing act to try and to try and manage that understanding but I think I think at times you know because I think someone say if someone was listening to this podcast now they're going to be thinking because I know that 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 hierarchy of experience, I do it in my life all the time and in all different aspects of my life. But I think sometimes it's like because someone's going to be listening to this podcast now, thinking, "Oh, do I?" So, so me, me sort of me shitty apartment that I'm in now, the shitty job that I work is what. So you just want us to accept that and just become this like sort of spiritual guru. But I think it is because I think that the whole, I think the whole every experience in life, there's no like. Every single, every single experience in life is the juice. Like sort of going to your nine to five, that is enlightenment. Like there's no, because there's this question I keep getting asked all the time. Loads of people say it, it was like, what, what define spirituality? What's spirituality to you? And then people go, well, I think spirituality is doing yoga every day. I think spirituality is doing this every single day. But it's spirituality is everything. Like mm-hmm. spirituality is going like the normal guy doing going to work, doing the nine to five. Spirituality is like doing this podcast now spirituality is watching netflix with your girlfriend on the couch it's like spirituality is everything mm. it's like when i think we need to like try and um become the the bigger understanding that that this this thing that we're in is the thing it's do you understand what i mean it's yeah completely i don't even really like the word yeah it causes division because some people identify with it and some people don't but we're all living in the same reality you know, it, it's like, well, depending on who you talk to, mm-hmm. but yeah. it's like, uh, I've spoken to a few of them as well. Yeah, right. So if I'm sitting here as a shamanic practitioner and I start drumming and I bring the spirits in mm-hmm. and someone is sitting there and they're not, and they've got headphones in and they don't know what's going on. We're not, we're in the same place. You know, the spirits are with him too. Mm-hmm. He's listening to music. Yeah. I'm here. And it's like, it's just a mindset thing and I believe everyone's as spiritual as each other like we're it's just I think it's undefinable I I, I really do I just I just think the world is as it is and, and you can choose to interpret that as, as as much as you want if you want to believe that everything's you know this animistic belief everything has a spirit this mug has a spirit this candle has a spirit you know and, and that's generally the view i prescribe to because that's that's beautiful to me 
and I get up in the morning and that's what makes brings me joy it helps you so much as well not to punch someone in the face as well because yeah, totally. when, you, when you're going driving down a street or like I said that interaction with that lady before when she tutted at us it's like recognising that like you said it's just that's just a that's just a mind thing that's just her mind but really her essence is is the thing that we've all got yeah it's, it's, it's and then maybe sometimes they do need a punch i mean not her but you know some people need punch in the face sometimes i probably need a punch in the face mm. that's just you know this 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 wheel of things going on and you know in truly I say connected cultures rather than like spiritual cultures, like cultures who like runs through their blood, all of them, everyone in that culture born into that spirituality and belief. They don't have a word for spirituality. It's just life as it is. It's just that this, this just the way it is. Um, and I think because we're living in sort of the age of science and I think Christianity was probably our last big, like um, large scale, belief of the other mm-hmm. faith mm-hmm. um and that's sort of people are like well it doesn't really work for me it's been so skewed and all of that and i was saying that my my girlfriend's parents are christian and they are the most beautiful um understanding calm happy just you know it completely i was like wow maybe i want to be a christian like it's <laughs> amazing i think though, all these teachings what the the real meaning of all these teachings are is is just to become a better person yeah and, and when when people really get the message of these different teachings it, it you understand when they when they do step around about becoming a different person it, it's that's all it's that that it's that's the juice of it it's mm. no it's it's when it, it it's when it goes sort of it's when you when when we start putting our our own emphasis on on the on the teachings that's when things get a bit messy Mm. i think it's all service Mm -hmm. that seems to be for for me that was the secret to me i was in service to the land in service to the spirits and they were gracious enough to transmute my anxiety and transmute my depression and my fear And, and that doesn't say i don't still get anxious or fearful but every time i do they transmute it again and that doesn't make me special or holy or gifted or it's just something that that works for me and and shamanism was my vehicle for that and you know that's why i decided to dedicate my life to it because i also because i didn't come from a spiritual background and i would go from these experiences and again going back to the community thing and 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 experience so much healing and i come back and speak to my friends and they'd be like oh, i can see the change in you but i could never go to a ceremony like i don't want to grow my hair i don't want to do be a hippie like i don't want to leave my job and i was struck by how much of a taboo there was with spirituality and that's why i started street spirituality because the whole thing is like to to remove the taboo bridge, and, bridge the gap and to bring it to, to street level like community level and include everyone and I stopped going to football for a bit. I was like, "Fucking, you That's know." Bad, I honestly, I didn't. Yeah, I, I couldn't. I couldn't be around it, and I didn't want to. It was just. It seemed so unconscious, and I was like, "And I was like, but I love football. I love it." Mm-hmm. And I, then I started looking at it from a different point of view and sort of see how tribal it was. And it's like, I mean, it's like a ceremony. I talked to my teacher about it. He's a massive Leeds fan. We're like, you, you know, you have your songs. You have your your gods and 
legends and the or the players and the manager, past players. Mm. You sit in a circle, you chant, you release. Um you watch men run around the pitch half naked. Right, this is the best <laughs> bit. <laughs> and you experience joy and highs and lows and community and it's great, you know, done consciously. Obviously, there's a load of fucking idiots that go to football, mm-hmm. you know, there's a big problem with racism and I'm not... Uh, that's terrible. Mm-hmm. And But there, there is something, it's like this pseudo-ritual and also I think that's what I found within the rave scene when I was growing up. Um, repetitive music, you know, trance stuff not trance music but like you go into a trance mm-hmm. um and also drugs and um altered states and it's all linked and we, we have ceremony if if those two things are ceremony which i think they are sort of unconscious ceremony our culture hasn't moved on in terms of spirituality and paganism as far as we think it has it's it's just i mean it's not even underground football mm-hmm. and music is just two huge things i, I thought about that's a good point it's how do we i thought about how can we bridge that gap gap if we not because it, you can't bridge that gap if you're sitting in a cave if you're meditating in a cave all your life how do you bridge that gap because if everyone, if everyone just anyway. gets to a point where they get to this point where you everyone starts waking up and they start meditating doing a bit of yoga and then we just completely everyone just who has that bit of inspiration takes themselves away from the society then how does the rest of society sort of change really I don't think from that position I can I just think make it as down to earth and normal as possible and just live live, live by example you, you, that's what the sorry to jump in but that's what the teachings really teach you as well I mean yeah. once you go down this path it tells you not to like all, the same for shamanism if you, for psychedelics for your own gut intuition whatever 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 it is what whatever ex- different experiences you're going through the teachings of these of these eventually after they've worked on you tell you to help people around you yeah totally and that this is the, my problem with the, the whole guru thing and the whole enlightenment thing it's so separate it's so other it's like you know i personally think the, the guru worship thing is very disempowering and and by giving your so my view is that enlightenment's impossible this idea, if if your view on enlightenment is like, I'm beyond thought, I think it's impossible as a human. So I think the people who um, are giving the impression that they're enlightened, you know, these guru type people, they're setting a false standard for the people following them. If I have problems and I have a teacher who is beyond problem, then that gives me a something that gives me a belief that I'll, I'll at some point if i keep following them my problems will go away and i don't believe that will ever happen you know i one of the most empowering things that happened to me was after a peyote ceremony and um the marikame had been working m- miracle mad like so much healing everything he's pulling rocks out of the fire he's pulling rocks out of people What's what's that? Sorry, I don't know what that is. What's the, the Marikami yeah. is um, a shaman from shaman. this culture for the Wiradika. Just doing the most incredible things. You know, there's like 50 people there. It's beautiful. It's it's amazing. It's all of the things you would associate with a ceremony. The ceremony closed, and he just opened a beer. <laughs> and That's was cool. like where's the horse <laughs> let's go sacrifice an animal and i was like 
fuck, what, what, how did, what? And whether or not he meant it or not, I think what he was doing is giving everyone their power back mm. and saying, I'm not your guru. I'm not special. I, uh, this is my job, but I have desire. I have this, I make mistakes and I'm cool with that. You don't need that. And I was like, I can have all of my issues, all of my problems. I can be triggered. I can go through life as human and also be intensely spiritual connected and help people. And it was such such a moment for me. And I just think if people are really serious about making spirituality or shamanism or connection or yoga or whatever it is to the mainstream, and I think that's what society needs, that connection with the land again, we have a responsibility to also um, express not only how great we are and how much it's helped us, but also to say, I argue with my girlfriend, I make mistakes, I really fucked up here, I can be a bit of a dick, all of those things. Because then people, that's what people will respond to. Uh, Again, I I was with Martin Shaw all weekend on his course, so he's like in my head, but he said, wear your shadow like a cape. You know, show people who you really are. You're good and you're bad. And then people will respond to that. And I think they'll say, well, actually I can, I can get into this because suddenly there's not this pressure. I love that. I think we'll leave it there. Cool. Very powerful, honestly. Really Great. cool. Really Thanks, cool. What a podcast. What a podcast that was, honestly. Really cool stuff. Really Thank you. Boom, 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 boom. Thanks so much for checking out the podcast. I really loved it towards the end of that conversation there when Eddie gave the example of the shaman who was being dead all serious and then all of a sudden he says, right, let's crack out the beers and where's the hose? I think that's really cool and um, I think it is, I really loved that conversation there around sort of the dance and the balance between seriousness and play in the Monday world. I'm not sure if we fully answered it. I would still say that me and Eddie are probably still two human beings who are trying to figure our ways through that. I think you, all you guys out there are, are trying to figure your ways f- through that as well. And it is an interesting one. How do we manage, manage the dance between play and seriousness? And it's one that I'm sure that I'll get better at doing and try to understand more. In the future as well, I definitely want to do... Um, another podcast with Eddie definitely so many more topics I want to touch on I thought he was a really cool and relatable guy and and was just a great conversation in general if you can please check out the Patreon page as always it really is the best way to support the podcast um, any amount that you can donate honestly is amazing um, there's different price functions on there all the way from $2 and you can get absolutely crazy to whatever you want but even just $2 the price of a cup of coffee every single month it really does go such a long way and it helps me to keep doing what I'm doing and it's just a great way to support the podcast anyway. So I love you all and just to play this podcast out, this one is definitely relatable to this conversation. It's a piece by Alan Watts and it's called It's Just a Show. So anyway, enjoy this uh, lecture slash music slash masterpiece by Alan Watts. Peace out, people. If you were the Supreme Self, what would you do? I mean, would you just sit there and be blissfully one and uh, everything, forever and ever and ever? Well, obviously not. You would uh, 
play games. You would, in other words, for the very nature of the fact that I said, no energy system is an energy system unless it lets go of itself. So you would let go of yourself. And you would get lost. And you get involved in all sorts of adventures. And you would forget who you were. Just as when you play a game, playing poker, and although you're only playing for dimes or for chips, you get absorbed in the game. And nothing really important to win, nothing really important to lose, and yet it becomes fantastically interesting who wins and who loses. And so in the same way it is said that the Supreme Self gets absorbed through ever so many different channels, which we call all the different beings, in the plot, just like an artist or a writer gets completely absorbed in the artistic creation that he's doing, or an actor gets absorbed in the part in the drama. At first we know it's a drama. We go to a play and we say it's only a play. And the proscenium arch tells us that what happens behind that arch is not for real, just a show. But the great actor is going to make you forget it's just a show. He's going to have you sitting on the edge of your chair. He's going to have you crying. He's going to have you trembling because he almost persuades you that it's real. And what would happen if the very best actor was confronted by the very best audience? Why, they'd be taken in completely. And the one would confirm the other. So this is the idea of the universe as drama. That the fundamental self, the Saguna, Brahman, plays this game, gets involved in being all of us, and does it so damn well, the, the, it's so superbly acted that the thing appears to be real. And we're not only sitting on the edge of our chair, but we start to get up and throw things. We join in the drama, and it all becomes uh, whatever it is that's going on. See. Then, of course, at the end of the drama, because all things have to have an end, that have a beginning, the curtain goes down and the actors retire to the green room. And there, the villain and the hero cease to be villain and hero, and they're just they're the actor. And then they come out in front of the curtain and they stand in a row and the audience applauds the villain along with the hero. The villain for having been a good villain. The hero for having been a great hero. The play is over. And everybody heaves a sigh of relief. Well, that was a great show, wasn't it? All this world is a big act. Leela, the play of the Supreme Self. It's therefore compared to a dream, to a passing illusion. And uh, you should not therefore take it seriously. Although that of course is involved, we do take it seriously. But you see, one of the great questions that you have to ask yourself when you really get down to the nitty-gritty about your own inmost core, is, are you serious? Or do you know deep within you 
that you're a put on. 